Hello and welcome, my name is Lloyd and this is the book of Acts that we're going through. And we come into Acts chapter 5 with a very difficult piece of scripture. Very different to last week's where we were talking about generosity and how the early church were serving each other and giving, selling their properties and lands and properties and, and laying the, 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 the proceeds of the disciples' feet. Here we have a very difficult passage to understand, but we need to tackle it. It's important because we're called to. We're called to declare the whole counsel of God, everything, everything that's in the Bible, not to just pick our favorite bits or the latest fad or the easy bits, but to walk through the entire Bible. And that's the purpose of these devotions, is to go through maybe ultimately the whole Bible. But for now, we're in the book of Acts. We've journeyed through the Gospel of John over several years. So let's read it out. <clears throat> and this is going to be a two-part series. Today we're going to just look at Ananias. The next week we'll look at Sapphira. So, but a man named Ananias with his wife, Sapphira, sold a piece of property. And with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did, not, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. And great fear came upon all who heard about it. The young men rose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. And we'll finish the rest of that off next week when we look at Sapphira. So we saw last week how the early church were devoted to each other. They were sharing their possessions easily, joyfully, radically. Lovingly, today we see a sharp contrast, almost like black and white, chalk and cheese. Compared to that warmth and that friendship and that loving kindness, we see now lies and deceit. A couple who wanted position and recognition, and they seek to appear as they are not. There's a bit of deception going on. They want to join in in the generosity, but at, at, the, at the minimum level, they want, to, they, they want to appear more generous than they actually are. So they have this impure motive. So most, from a sort of modern Western viewpoint, struggle with this passage. It seems very difficult, it seems very out of place, as some people do with God's treatment of Uzzah when, when he steadied the ark in 2 Samuel 6. We almost say in our hearts, how dare God behave like this? How, how can he do this to such generous people? Why is God so angry? What's the big deal anyway? Why can you not be more lenient, God? Why not more graceful? Why are you so serious? And this is especially so because this is in the New Testament. 
Why can't God maybe warn them and be a bit more patient with them? Jesus just died after all for our sin. Why, why this? You know, if it's in the Old Testament, fair enough. But we have it here stuck in the book of Acts. And so we need to deal with it. We need to teach it. We need to talk about it. And it seems like the key issue is not the amount. Peter confirms this repeatedly, that they were free to give it away or not. They could have just stay, stayed out of this. They could have just kept their house to themselves. Um, that was theirs to do. They were free to give away the money and they were free to not give it away. They were free even to keep some back. But just to say that. So the, the issue centers not on, the, not on the amount, but on the lies and the deceit, which, which seems so out of place, so out of step with the, the rest of the early church and what we saw in chapter 4. Um, God's Spirit, after all, has been poured out recently and everyone's full of passion and devotion for each other. And, and Luke, who authors the book of Acts and shares this story, does not seem at all offended or he doesn't want to hide this. He brings it in the open into the broad light of day. And he seems to include it precisely because of how damaging it is and how, how awful it was, how out of step it was with the early church. Um, and he introduces actually this phrase, Ecclesia, it's the first time it appears in the New Testament, which talking about God's church, his called out people. It's used in the Old Testament to describe the, the gathered um, community of, of, of Israel. Um, and this group of people is supposed to be the called out people. They're supposed to be different and distinct from the world around them. So Luke didn't, didn't in any way suppress the story, even if it's such a difficult topic. But rather he's... I guess the way that he writes it gives us confidence that he's a, a faithful and truthful and honest recorder of history. He doesn't leave bits out. So here we have, it says, But a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property. That seems fine. We must applaud Luke's faithful recording of this episode showing a such a degree of authenticity. One who does not just, as I say, record the good bits. Something which maybe our contemporary churches need to learn from. They're always trying to just share the good stuff, but never the, the struggles and the hurt and the pain and the, the failures. Um, we need to learn from this. We can't only share the good bits. We need to share you know, everything about our churches. But at the same time, Luke also shares a lot of excitement and joy. He doesn't just make the church seem joyless and dull. He shares both, both the struggles, the, the joys, the problems. So Luke can be trusted as an honest and articulate recorder of events, representing their historical significance accurately. And here is an inside look at one of the early difficulties and, and and God's spirit-filled people. They were not purity and holiness um, and nothing wrong and bliss and sunshine. There was this dark patch. So there's a long run of events and then this chapter begins with but. But a man. And it's very, very similar. There's this, this, you know, it's like a full stop in this glorious flow that we've just had. 
um, commentators often compare this chapter to the interruption seen in Joshua 7 when Achan halts the progress of the people of Israel entering into the promised land as he steals some items that are devoted to destruction from Jericho. And so we, we saw in chapter 4 the devotion and the generosity of the early church, the extravagant grace motivated joyful giving and loving but now this well let's look at who's involved okay there's a couple and they decided to do this together so Ananias and Sapphira they agree it says with his wife's knowledge with his wife so they did it together they decided to sell their property nothing wrong so far everyone was doing that already in the early church everyone else was selling their properties and with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. So they collaborated and colluded and they joined together in this enterprise of deceit. But what was the deceit? It seems they may have had ambitions of maybe being eminent amongst the early church in a way similar to how worldly people get ahead. Maybe very similar to the Jewish establishment, the religious leaders, the scribes and Pharisees and Sadducees, so they wanted to climb the political ladder. Um, um, so they were maybe similar to the world to, to the world at that time. They wanted to appear generous along with everyone else, whilst having a different heart. So they tried to do something that essentially comes from the heart. But without having a changed heart. They were keeping back some of the sale proceeds, but saying that they'd given all. Keeping back a bit, just in case. Just in case this whole thing doesn't work out. They weren't entirely sure that God was trustworthy or they, that, that, that they should put their lot in with this community, this early church. So the rest of the, the community were giving out of devotion to God and each other. But these guys were looking for position power and applause probably the world gives and then shows off and shows everyone what they've done and that's their reward that's what jesus said once you've done that that's the end of it that's all you'll ever get it's a perishing and fleeting reward that's what the smiles of the world gives but the church is to give secretly not knowing what the right hand the right hand not knowing what the left hand is doing so abundantly secretive and unaffected by applause not needing people to applaud doing things for god giving is to be before god for his notice alone for he is the rewarder of those who seek to please him not men so they wanted credit before men probably but god cannot be mocked he can see everything he can see straight through anything we try and hide. The secret things will be all made plain one day, all those things that have been hidden. And sometimes God allows his own people to see things too, as he sees things. Just like in this instance where Peter actually begins to notice. Somehow the Holy Spirit revealed, it, revealed to him the deceit that was going on. They bring a gift expecting to be commended and applauded and exalted in this early community. But instead of that, this is what Peter says, Ananias, why has Satan 
filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land. So he calls him by name, Ananias, almost pleading one last time to a brother, delivering the news in the form of a question. Why has Satan? It wasn't a statement, it was a question. And this softens the blow a bit. So why, that's what Peter's asking. Why? And why do we think Peter asked this question rather than stating it? Well, he is the heart of a pastor and he seeks to restore and help and heal. So Peter's question is to discover how on earth they had allowed Satan to so fill their hearts and to get caught up in this little mess that they would try and attempt to lie and deceive the early church and the early church leaders. So whilst other people are being filled with the Holy Spirit, these two took a totally different path and they were instead filling their hearts with lies from Satan to the point that they began to lie themselves. They learned the language of Satan. His native tongue is lying. So they owned their lies and they carried out this deceitful plot. So instead of giving to meet the needs of the poor around them, they were giving and attempting to get a position and to get applause and to get recognition. The sin itself was this, <clears throat> lying to the Holy Spirit. That's what Peter said. Why did you, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? <clears throat> and this resulted in, or was evidenced by, the withholding part, withholding part of the proceeds, whilst claiming that, the, that they'd given all, probably, and doing it as a couple together. Yet all along, there was no compulsion to give, as we've just heard. Peter, was, no one was forced to give anything. It was being done voluntarily by everyone else. So Peter's expression of... Um, this, Peter tells them that everyone else is giving freely, and he tells it to them, you know, whilst it remained unsold, whilst it was yours, did it not remain your own? This property was yours. You could do what you want with it. And after it was sold, was it also not yours? The money was yours. The property was yours. The money was yours to dispose of as you want. So why is it that you've contrived this deed in your heart? You've not lied to men, but to God. They had no one asking them or requiring them to give this money away. It was theirs to sell and give as they were led. In 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7, Paul describes how giving should be cheerful and free. He says, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So whilst this is not a law, it clearly shows the heart and the freedom in Christian giving. From the heart, that's, what, that's the important thing. Filled with joy from the heart, not under compulsion, not because uh, some law says it or we don't need to be manipulated to do it. And best of all, God loves a cheerful giver. Isn't that wonderful? Ananias and Sapphira abandoned all of that and they followed the advice of Satan somehow. They filled their heart 
with lies from Satan. Um, they had boasted of a good work, a charitable act which they had actually not done joyfully or fully. And when we do the same, when we perform the same act as this couple, when we pretend and try and deceive people with our giving, we may be falling under the same judgment as these two. Earlier, Peter had implied that Satan was behind the sin, but here he indicates that the deed was contrived by Ananias himself. Um, why was it that you have contrived this? So he needs to own his own sin. Sin is a brat, and when it's found out, no one wants to own it. Everyone disowns their sin when it becomes public. And Peter repeats the sin. Maybe hoping that Ananias will repent instead of trying to keep up the, the lie and the deceit. He said, you have not lied to men, but to God. Every sentence is a pleading to Ananias to come back. Peter, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, tells it plainly. God cannot be deceived. And God is inside me by the Holy Spirit. You can't deceive me either. God's bride, his church, must not be treated with, with, you know, with a casualness and a um, must not be treated with disdain like this, but rather treated with respect, utmost respect. She is God's, she's God's bride. Don't try to deceive the church, Peter says. God knows all things, he sees all things, he hears all things. He will not be mocked. So when Ananias hears these words, he falls down, breathes his last. So he dies, that's it, lights out. And great fear came on all who heard it. So the result, instead of repentance, it seems, Ananias drops dead. God judges him on the spot without Peter having to do anything. Peter didn't have to introduce any church discipline. God judges him without Peter harming him at all. Peter did not utter any judgment. God did it himself. God just judged him on the spot. And in Achan's case... The people stoned him. Here, God himself takes this person's life. And we don't have enough information to speculate why God used this approach to this sin. But every sin deserves death. So all of us are on borrowed time, in a sense, outside of Christ. God's church, his people, his spirit are sacred, not to be trifled with. Lies and deceit ruin the church. They destroy the love and the, and the closeness and the friendship and the fellowship of a devoted church family. Especially this early church, this brand new church. And it says the young men rose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. The body of the man, Ananias, is buried. He never gets to enjoy the money he had kept aside for himself. So we also deceive ourselves when we promise ourselves rewards from Satan rather than, rather than deceiving other people like these guys. These guys thought they were deceiving other people. They thought we'll get away with it. But they're actually deceiving themselves, promising themselves stuff they'll never get. And there's this burial that is performed. Many had feared God as a result of this. There's a healthy respect and reverence that, that comes upon the congregation as a result of this. 
And God will use all things, even sin, as we see in this, in this case, for his glory and for their good. So are you a cheerful giver? Do you give as to the Lord? Do you give just with an audience of one, giving to the Lord, whatever you're doing? If you're giving to someone else, you're doing it just with God in mind. Are you trying at this point in time in your life, or have you done before, have you tried to deceive and lie in any area of your life, claiming that something is not what it is? Come at once, come at once to Jesus. Confess your sin. God is faithful, he'll forgive you. Whatever it is, God already knows. As we've seen from this story, God knows. So receive this free gift of forgiveness, the cost Jesus paid with his own life at the cross. So come now, please. Don't listen to Satan. Don't, be, don't, don't get trapped. Don't fill your heart with lies from Satan. Don't try and lie to the Holy Spirit. It's a pointless, foolish exercise. So Lord, would you come upon us with your Holy Spirit? Would you free us from listening to the lies of Satan? Help us to listen to the truth about who you are, about whose we are, about whose our stuff really is. In Jesus' name, amen.